Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of The Trister. Today we're going to talk about a very important topic that is also very near and dear to our hearts, social media. To provide some context into what we're talking about, we will be following with you, the viewer and listener, the new Netflix film, The Social Dilemma, linked down below here on YouTube. Uh, to those who don't know about the film, it's been a film about social networks in general and their effect in society. Uh, it's been trending on Netflix, so definitely check it out. Uh, as to ourselves, me, I'm Vanessa. I am an attorney, former attorney. I'm also a computer programmer, and I'm working on our new social network, The Trister. Uh, the app will be released soon, uh, and what's guiding us as we develop this new platform are three main things. We do really care about the environment, number one, number two, society, and number three, privacy. We also want to make it fun, and we've had a lot of good feedback from a lot of people who've tried it out, so if you guys have feedback, uh, definitely put it down below in the comments. Uh, the web version's actually already out, uh, it's dtrister.com, check it out, leave us comments there, but we'll probably just deactivate that platform once the app is out, and you know, it is a test to see what we need on the app. Uh, so in conclusion, right, we do really care a lot about social media, uh, we pay attention to what's going on, and we want to improve uh, the whole environment surrounding it. Uh, here with me to discuss, you know, I'll be doing the first part of this film and later on we'll be joined by Jody. He's also part of the Trister team. He helps us out with podcasts, also a programmer and he's from New York, so give him a shout out. Uh, disclaimer, uh, it is going to be a long episode. We are following most of the film. The social dilemma again but this is a very complex topic that deserves a very thorough discussion as you will see remember to follow us on linkedin twitter find us check it out check us out and let's get started let's play here the film this is live right and let's get to it Nothing vast enters the life of morals without a curse, Sophocles. Very true. Deep quote here. Yeah, why don't you just go ahead, yeah, sit yeah. down and then take a look at you. You good? Right. Yeah. Um, take one, marker. Do you want to just start by introducing yourself? <laughs> Hello world, Bailey, take three. You good? Uh, this is the worst part, man. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> so the film is starting now. In I was one of the really early employees at Instagram. I worked at uh, Google, uh, YouTube. Apple, Google, Twitter, Palm. I helped start Mozilla Labs and then switched over to the Firefox side. They're introducing the people who are going to be talking throughout the film. People who have worked inside with a big uh, technology company, so we know their credentials, they know what's going on. President of Pinterest, before that, um, 
I was the, the director of monetization at Facebook for five years. While at Twitter, I spent a number of years running their developer platform, and then became head of consumer product. I was the co-inventor of Google Drive, Gmail Chat, Facebook Pages, and the Facebook Like button. Yeah, this is, this is why I spent like eight months talking back and forth with like lawyers. This freaks me out. When I was there, I always felt like fundamentally it was a force for good. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. I left Google in June 27th. What do you guys think? Is, do you guys think social media in general is a force for good? Has it affected your lives? Right, a uh, very valid question. It's easy today to lose sight of the fact that these tools actually have created some wonderful things in the world. They've reunited lost family members. They've found organ donors. I mean, there were meaningful systemic changes happening around the world because of these platforms that were positive. I think we were naive about the flip side of that coin. Yeah, these things, you release them and they take on a life of their own. And how they're used is pretty different than how you expect it. Nobody, I deeply believe, ever intended any of these consequences. There's no one bad guy, no. Absolutely not. So then what's the, what's the problem? This is worth mentioning as I was talking to one of my friends. If there's not one bad person, is everyone at fault? Who's at fault, right? There are no leadership, right? Yeah, it's hard to give a single succinct. I'm trying to touch on many different problems. Um, what is the problem? <laughs> okay. So for the first part of the movie, it seems like the problem, they haven't specifically said what's the problem. They're having some difficulty saying that or, you know. And a new study sheds light on the link between mental health and social media use. In this part, uh, we have a montage, something of a film that recreates the normal experience of a family dealing with social media. That's when we created Twitter over 12 years ago. Officials say that they have no reason to believe the Russian cyber attacks will stop. YouTube is being forced to concentrate on cleansing the site. TikTok, if you talk to any tween out there, there's no chance they'll delete this thing. Hey, Isla. I'm connected without a cell phone, okay? I'm on the internet right now. Also, that isn't even actual connection. It's just a load of Surveillance capitalism has come to shape our politics and culture. 
in ways that many people don't perceive. ISIS inspired followers online and now white supremacists are doing the same. Recently in India, internet lynch mobs have killed a dozen people, including It's not just fake news, it's actually fake news with consequences. How do you handle an epidemic in the age of fake news? Can you get the coronavirus by eating Chinese food? We have gone from the information age into the disinformation age. Our democracy is under assault. What I said was, I think the tools that have been created today you guys are starting think, to right? erode the social fabric it of how society. social media affected society politically, negatively, or has it been a force for good, right? What do you, the viewer, listeners, think? This scene, uh, we have our main host, Tristan Harris, of the film. He's going to give a presentation about the issues with social media. He appears to be a big advocate of of, Um, So today I want to talk about... About spreading awareness of maybe some of the issues that are going on in tech. In the tech industry right now. There's a cacophony of grievances and scandals, and they stole our data, and there's tech addiction, and there's fake news, and there's polarization, and there's some elections that are getting hacked. But is there something that is beneath all these problems that's causing all these things to happen at once? Does this feel good? Very good. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to, like, I want people to see, like, there's a problem happening in the tech industry, and it doesn't have a name. And it has to do with one source, like one... One source. Apparently, the problem is one source. When you look around you, it feels like the world is going crazy. You have to ask yourself, like, is this normal? Or have we all fallen under some kind of spell? Great question, right? Uh, is the world a little strange for you guys? I wish Does more it people feel could strange? understand how this works because it shouldn't be something that only the tech industry knows. It should be something that everybody knows. Or is it just an illusion that things are a little whack, right? Is it reality? And I think the film is gonna go deeper into that question. Hi, Tristan. Nice to meet you. It's Tristan. Yes, Tristan Harris is a former design ethicist for Google and has been called the closest thing Silicon Valley has to a conscience. He's asking the tech industry to bring what he calls ethical design to its products. It's rare for a tech insider to be so blunt that Tristan Harris believes someone needs to be. When I was at Google, I was on the Gmail team and I just started getting burnt out because we'd had so many conversations about you know, what the inbox should look like and, you know, what color it should be. And and I, you know, felt personally addicted to email. And I found it fascinating. There was no one at Gmail working on making it less addictive. And I was like, is anybody else thinking about this? I haven't heard anybody talk about this. And I was feeling this, this frustration with the tech industry overall that we kind of like lost our way. You know, I really struggled to try and figure out how, from the inside, we could change it. And that was when I decided to make a presentation, kind of a call to arms. 
went home and I worked on it for a couple hours every single night. It's an interesting uh, point. Think you know, as we build the Trister, that's actually a number one concern. Not only, you know, how do we get people engaged, but how do we do it in an ethical way, right? How do we do it in a way that doesn't affect people's lives in a bad way? As a designer at Google said, this is how notifications work on that screen that you wake up to in the morning. And we have a moral responsibility as Google for solving this problem. And I sent this presentation to about 15, 20 of my closest colleagues at Google. I was very nervous about it. I mean, I wasn't sure how it was going to land. When I went to work the next day, most of the laptops had the presentation open. Later that day, there was like 400 simultaneous viewers, and so it just kept growing and growing. So Tristan and apparently all the it's telling us that every he made a presentation said, while he was at Google detailing the, the problems that he saw with the design of the technology and the office is in agreement with some Later, of the concerns, I found out apparently. Larry Page had been notified about this presentation in three separate meetings that day. And so it created this kind of cultural moment that Google needed to take seriously. And then nothing. Everyone in 2006, including all of us at Facebook. And I'm going to pause the film right now. Uh, this is something interesting that a friend of mine, I, I watched a film uh, casually with my friend before, and he was saying, what, who stopped this, right? Was it the CEO? Was it the whole company? Was everyone in agreement? Like, why didn't this take more... Why didn't something get addressed, right? That's a great that's a great question and fair point. Again, I, hopefully I don't think we'll have that issue at Tracer. Uh, ethics are at the forefront of what we're doing, so. And what Google had built, which was this incredibly useful service that did, as far as we could tell, lots of goodness for the world. And they built this parallel money machine we had such envy for that, and it seemed so elegant to us and so perfect. Facebook had been around for about two years, um, and I was hired to come in and figure out what the business model was gonna be for the company. I was the director of monetization. Like The point was like, you're the person who's gonna figure out how this thing monetizes. And there were a lot of people who did a lot of the work, but I was clearly one of the people who was pointing towards well, we have to make money, A. And I think this advertising model is probably the most elegant way. So I suppose these, are, these were the beginnings of the problem, right? How do we monetize this service that's quote-unquote free, right? How do we provide all this technology for free? And that's where the advertising comes in. <laughs> Seriously, I don't even know what she's talking about, man. She's worse than I am. No, she only it for recipes. Right, and work. And work out videos. And to check up on us. And everyone else she's ever met in her entire life. Keep your scrolling through your social media feed while 
you're watching us, you need to put the damn phone down. Listen up, because our <laughs> next guest has written an incredible book about how much it's wrecking our lives. Please welcome author of 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts right now, <laughs> Jaron Lanier. <laughs> Companies like Google and Facebook are some of the wealthiest and most successful of all time. Uh, they have relatively few employees. Jaron is going to talk about a lot of interesting things later on in the film. So I've been an investor in technology for 35 years. The first 50 years of Silicon Valley, the industry made products, hardware, software, sold them to customers. Nice, simple business. For the last 10 years, the biggest companies in Silicon Valley have been in the business of selling their users. It's a little even trite to say now, but because we don't pay for the products that we use, advertisers pay for the products that we use. Advertisers are the customers. We're the thing being sold. The classic saying is, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. A lot of people think, you know, oh, well, Google's just a search So box. now they're and saying, they're, place to see what my friends are they're doing. making it clear that you guys, the user, us, we are the product. That, that's, that's how they monetize it. Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Companies like this, their business model is to keep people engaged on the screen. Let's figure out how to get as much of this person's attention as we possibly can. How much time can we get you to spend? How much of your life can we get you to give to us? When you think about how some of these companies work, it starts to make sense. There are all these services on the internet that we think of as free, but they're not free. They're paid for by advertisers. Why do advertisers pay those companies? So this they is an important point, showing actually. Their ads. Uh, now they're saying none of the services that we all know of uh, are free, right? You're paying for it one way or another. And how do we bring that back to Trister and sometimes people ask me what the donation part is about and that's what it's about, right? It, it does cost money to run the servers, the databases, the engineers who build things. So that all costs money, right? And that's where the donations come in. It is something of a community effort. Everyone needs to help out. Otherwise, uh, you're at the mercy of the stockholders and, and they're going to talk about the issue uh, further on in the movie. To us, we're the product. Our attention is the product being sold to advertisers. That's a little too simplistic. It's the gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your own behavior and perception that is the product. And that is the product. It's the only possible product. There's nothing else on the table that could plausibly be called the product. That's the only thing there is for them to make money from. Changing what you do, how you think, who you are. It's a gradual change. It's slight. If you can go to somebody and you say, give me $10 million and I will change the world 1% in the direction you want it to change, it's the world that can be incredible. And that's worth a lot of money. I do want to repeat what this uh, gentleman just said, right? He's saying not only the real product is changing your behavior and the user's behavior in a way that it's imperceptible, right? You, you don't even realize 
that your thoughts are being changed just by looking on, uh, at your phone, right? And the question is, is that change good for you or is it just something for them to profit off, right? It's really important to... This is what about. every business has always dreamt of, to have a guarantee that if it places an ad, it will be successful. That's their business. They sell certainty. In order to be successful in that business, you have to have great predictions. Great predictions begin with one imperative. And I think you that's also them. something else that we differentiate ourselves from everyone. Uh, you know, if we give you some, put some sort of content that we know it's going to change our user's behavior some way or another, we're actually going to be uh, upfront about it. We do want that transparency uh, of letting the user know, hey, we are doing X, Y, and C, you should know about that. There shouldn't be a movie, uh, an outside movie telling you what they're doing, right? It's... Uh, we now have markets that trade in human futures at scale. And those markets have produced the trillions of dollars that have made the internet companies the richest companies in the history of humanity. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked, is being measured. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. Ex that that should alarm people, right? He just said, everything you do, everything you look at is being tracked, is being measured, and we've all heard of people who complain about that, but there is no escape almost, right? You've heard about the famous tech personalities that are off social media, etc., etc., but that shouldn't be the answer, you know? There's a lot of good in social media. You and I... I the, and I think that film will go over it, but you know, you get to keep in touch with family that are in different states, different countries, uh, even you meet, you meet new people even, right? So the answer really isn't getting off of social media. It's probably a new platform, right? And that's where we here at Trista are trying to come in, right? An alternative, right? I, we think that uh, the other, platforms that exist right now are there's there's a lot of good in them and i think they sh they provide something that's completely different from what we're providing so we kind of complement each other but there does need to be that other alternative and going back to what uh jeff was just saying he's saying that everything you do is being tracked one way or another one good question is for the users is this something that should be happening uh, what do you guys think? Are you okay with that? As long as it makes your life easier. Why isn't there an option to opt out? You know, an example is with phone, phone tapping. As far as I know, uh, is illegal. It's of a huge, you, you know, if you do that, you're in big trouble, right? So how come all these tech companies can do essentially the same thing and be not only scotch, go, go out scotch-free, but Loaded for their great technology, right? Uh, there's a, there are a lot of questions here. Exactly what image you stop and look at, for how long you look at it. 
Oh yeah, seriously, for how long you look at it. They know when people are lonely, they know when people are depressed, they know when people are looking at photos of your ex-romantic partners, they know what you're doing late at night, they know the entire thing. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, or what kind of neuroses you have, what your personality type is like. They have more information about us than has ever been imagined in human history. It is unprecedented. And so all of this data that we're, that we're just pouring out all the time is being fed into these systems that have almost no human supervision and that are making better and better and better and better predictions about what we're going to do and, and who we are. A lot of people have the misconception that it's our data being sold. It's not in Facebook's business interest to give up the data. What do they do with that data? The flip side of that coin is that it can be very positive, right? These machines are learning how to predict our actions, how to do it in a very efficient and uh, accurate way. So that can be used for good things, right? How do we affect good things, good changes in behavior? Unfortunately, apparently, and according to this film, it doesn't look like that's what's being done. All of the things we've ever done, all the clicks we've ever made, all the videos we've watched, all the likes, that all gets brought back into building a more and more accurate model. The model, once you have it, you can predict the kinds of things that person does. Right, let me just test where you're gonna go. I can predict what kind of videos will keep you watching. I can predict what kinds of emotions tend to trigger you. Yes, perfect. The most epic fails of the year. You know, psychologists should be excited with this technology, right? We can really maybe study human psychology, what makes us tick. How do we improve human psychology, right? At a lot of these technology companies, there's three main goals. There's the engagement goal, to drive up your usage to keep you scrolling. There's the growth goal, to keep you coming back and inviting as many friends and getting them to invite more friends. And then there's the advertising goal, to make sure that as all that's happening, we're making as much money as possible from advertising. Each of these goals are powered by algorithms whose job is to figure out what to show you to keep those numbers going up. We often talked about at Facebook this idea of being able to just dial that as needed. And, you know, we talked about having Mark have those dials. Hey, I want more users in Korea today. Turn the dial. Style up the ads a little bit. Dial up monetization just slightly. And so that happened, I mean, at all these companies, there is that level of precision. I don't know how it didn't get carded, dude. I don't know. Again, and I think maybe that's a failure of the companies, right? He's saying that the companies are extremely accurate and efficient at triggering certain behaviors, uh, but why don't they do it for to affect good things, right? Good change. It seems from this film that it's all being done just to sell you more stuff and maybe other more pernicious things. New link. We're on. 
Follow that up with a post from user 0790442388820. Rebecca, good idea. GPS coordinates indicate that they're in close proximity. He's primed for an ad. Auction time. Sold. To deep fade hair wax, we had 468 interested bidders. We sold Ben at 3.262 cents for an impression. So again, apparently they're using all this great technology just for silly, superficial things, right? Selling you uh, an ad, some other product. And yet, in that world, anytime two people connect, the only way it's financed is through a sneaky third person who's paying to manipulate those two people. So we've created an entire global generation of people who were raised within a context with the very meaning of communication, the very meaning of culture is manipulation. We've put deceit and sneakiness at the absolute center of everything we do. Now they're starting to uh, go through the real issue, right? Manipulation. Uh, without you knowing, right? Now they're going to compare it or draw a parallel to magic. The manipulation that is going on. It's like right magic. How, how does this come across on, on camera if I were to do, like, you know, this well, actually, like we can, that? What? That, yeah. <laughs> do that again? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's probably... Not. Yeah. I mean, this one is less... Is that good? I was like five years old when I learned how to do magic. And I could fool adults, fully grown adults with like PhDs. Magicians were almost like the first neuroscientists and psychologists. Like they were the ones who first understood how people's minds work. They just, in real time, are testing lots and lots of stuff on people. If a magician understands something, some part of your mind that we're not aware of, that's what makes the illusion work. Doctors, lawyers, people who know to build 747s or nuclear missiles, they don't know more about how their own mind is vulnerable. That's a separate discipline. And it's a discipline that applies to all human beings. Again, From the that issue really does seem to be this mental manipulation that is imperceptible. You don't realize it, right? What do you guys think? Is it happening? Have you, have you realized it? Have you not realized it? Build that into technology. Now, many of you in the audience are geniuses already. I think that's true, but my goal is to turn you into a behavior change genius. There are many prominent Silicon Valley figures who went through that class, key growth figures at Facebook and Uber and, and other companies, and learned how to make technology more persuasive, Tristan being one. Persuasive technology is just sort of design intentionally applied to the extreme, where we really want to modify someone's behavior. We want them to take this action. We want them to keep doing this with their finger. You pull down and you refresh, it's going to be a new thing at the top. Pull down and refresh again, it's new. Every single time, which in psychology we call a positive intermittent reinforcement. 
so you don't know when you're going to get it. So they're saying no that this amazing course at Stanford, a bit appears, uh, where a lot of the leaders in tech took, you know, this course that they took, really went over how to make technology persuasive. And actually, these courses can be really good. I, rem I did take a leadership course back in the day, uh, at Harvard and you know I didn't believe in leadership I, I thought that was kind of shenanigans and whatnot but it's a discipline right it's actually you learn a lot uh, you realize that a lot can be taught so it's not like it comes from you're born with it right you're that you're born with certain skills uh, uh, it, it's learnable like leadership skills are learnable and I, I so yeah this course probably you know, we'll check it out, right? As we build the network, it seems like it's something that can help us. This is deep-seated, like, human personality that they're tapping into. What you should be asking yourself is, why doesn't that email contain the photo in it? It would be a lot easier to see the photo. When Facebook found that feature, they just dialed the hell out of that because they said, this is going to be a great way to grow activity. Let's just get people tagging each other in photos all day long. Commented. Nice. Okay, Rebecca received it, and she is responding. Hey, let Ben know that she's typing so we don't lose him. Activating ellipsis. Great, she posted. He's commenting on her comment about his comment on her post. Hold on, he stopped typing. Let's autofill. Emojis. He loves emojis. You went with fire. I was from Frag Plan. There's an entire discipline and field called growth hacking. Teams of engineers whose job is to hack people's psychology so they can get more growth, they can get more user signups, more engagement, they can get you to invite more people. After all the testing, all the iterating, all of this stuff, you know what the single biggest thing we realized? Get any individual to seven friends in 10 days. That was it. Tramath was the head of growth at Facebook early on, and he's very well known in the tech industry for pioneering a lot of the growth tactics that were used to grow Facebook at incredible speed. And those growth tactics have then become the sort of standard playbook for Silicon Valley. They were used at Uber, and they've been used at a bunch of other companies. One of the things that he pioneered was the use of scientific A-B testing of small feature changes. Companies like Google and Facebook would roll out lots of little tiny experiments they were constantly doing on users. And over time, by running these constant experiments, you, you develop the most optimal way to get users to do what you want them to do. It's, it's manipulation. Uh, yes, again, the same theme of mental manipulation, right? How do we get your attention without necessarily you knowing that benefits the company and apparently just the company. They really don't care about the users, apparently, from this film. Massive scale contagion experiments. How do we use subliminal cues on the Facebook pages to get more people to go vote in the midterm elections? And they discovered that they were able to do that. One thing they concluded is that we now know we can affect real-world behavior and emotions without ever triggering the user's awareness. 
they are completely clueless. This is important to say again, right? It, the professor here just said that the better the technology, the more clueless you are of anything affecting you, right? Because uh, we, we've always heard of the users who say, no, you know, I'm just clicking, I'm just playing around a little bit, right? I, it's not affecting my real life. Well, maybe they're not. Maybe the platform is, and maybe the platform is, right? You as fast as possible, and then give you back that dopamine hit. We did that at, brilliantly at Facebook. Instagram has done it. WhatsApp has done it. You know, Snapchat has done it. Twitter has done it. I mean, it's exactly the kind. I think this is a great part to end this first uh, part one of our series. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, you know, very interesting questions here, and see you guys later.